that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God, around us are different storms of life, different parts of our life are in fluctuation. And we don't necessarily know what to do. We don't necessarily know how to handle it. But what we know for sure, what our firm foundation is, is your word and who you are and your character. That we know that when we come to you, when we ask for wisdom, God, you bring wisdom. God, when we come to you, when we talk to you, when we call on the name of Jesus, that you're as close as the mention of your name. That, Father, as we walk with you, as we're in relationship with you, we know that as we commit ourselves to you, God, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, these are truths. These are uh, honest-to-goodness things that will never fail. Because, as we spoke before, your love never fails. And you are love. So, Father, I thank you for the dependency of your care. I thank you, O oh God, that you never give up on us. I thank you, Lord God, that you're always there for us. And that you are true. That you are straight.
And sometimes in Christianity, uh, we, um, we can get this idea that life is about this set of rules, that life is about, okay, in order for me to be a good Christian, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to see what the Bible verse says here. And it, it becomes this, becomes this about this, these, these works and about these rules. But in reality, the spreading of our faith, the making of disciples starts with the passion that's in your own heart. To the point where we're so passionate about what we believe, we just want to tell people. And when, I mean, when Jesus' disciples finally had found, they weren't disciples yet, but they had found the Messiah, they're just like, I'm so excited, you've got to come and see this guy. He's the one we've been waiting for. This is the passion of our hearts. And that is, as, as we grow closer to him, the passion inside of us grows and we just say, hey, you've got to come and see what God is doing. We've been talking about the promises of God. We've been talking about these amazing promises. Hasn't it been amazing hearing about the promises of God and how faithful He is? And this is good news. These are things that the rest of the world needs to know. And I'm afraid that as Christians, we're not portraying this truth very well. I feel like we're giving them the rule book before we let them play the game. There, there are some people who, who okay, listen. There are some people when we play board games, do you play board games? <laughs> you open up the board games and the first thing you guys want to do is read the rules. <clears throat> Let's go through the rules step by step and make sure that we've got all the rules and then once we spend a half an hour learning the rules, we can start, finally start to have fun. This is Christianity, okay? Come and meet Jesus. He's going to change your life and you can play and learn the rules all at the same time. Okay? So, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'm against the rules. I'm just saying, let's just do it all together. Let's just do it all together. So, this is the passion of the promises of God. People can get excited about the great things of God as we learn, as we understand, as, as we grow in God. And now we're moving on to a new season, a new chapter as far as what we're going to be teaching. And so, I want to I talk to you about the people around you and, and the, the networks that we have, and we'll see, uh, we put on the sign about connecting to your network. There's something about being connected these days. There's something about not having connection. Like going into a place and your phone, you look at your phone and it says emergency calls only. <laughs> You know that feeling of being out of your zone, being out of your coverage area, and you just can't get through. And then you look and you're trying to find out what's going on, like how come you're looking at your phone and you're like, come on, please, you begin to walk and look. Maybe on this side of the room, there's coverage. By the grace of God, when you're driving and thinking, I don't know where I am or what I'm doing, and you see this wonderful sign on the Tim Hortons that says, Wi-Fi Zone! <laughs> Free Wi-Fi! I can connect and be connected. Now I can have endless updates of nothingness <laughs> and feel like I belong. But there's that moment, you know that moment 
connecting to Wi-Fi and you're waiting, the circle is going around and around on the phone, and it says, it says connecting to your network, dot dot dot. That means you may not connect to your network. But there's still we're obsessed with staying connected. Obsessed! With all the stuff comes on our Twitter feeds, all the stuff comes on our Facebook, all the stuff that, that comes on this information. I need to know more information. I need to know what's going on. I need to be connected. I, uh, I switched over to a different carrier with my phone, and there are places that I'm not connected. <laughs> and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. Because 15, 20 years ago, we weren't connected. We weren't connected. There wasn't this immediacy. There wasn't, there was, the only connection that we could have with each other was actually if we were both in the same room. <laughs> Imagine that. But the reality is, is that the connection that we have with people still hasn't changed. The effective connection that we have with people, honestly, can only really happen face to face. As some cultures would say, a four-eye conversation. Two and two. That really, we all long and thrive for personal connection. And the truth is, is that we all have people that we're connected to, that we're all connected to. And that we need to realize, we need to understand how significant it is that where we are at this moment in the network that we are in, in this very second, is a divine expression of God's providence in your life. This very moment, not five years from now, not ten years from now, not tomorrow, not next week, right this second, you are in the place that God wants you to be. Amen. This moment. And if we settle for anything else, church, then we will miss the moment that God has ordained for us. He wants us to be connected to him, but he wants us to realize that it's not a coincidence, that it's not circumstantial, that the, the network that you're in, the group of people that you're surrounded by right now is God's purposes and plans for your life right now. Or if you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10,
Paul had, had traveled in his missionary journeys, and one of the places that he had established a congregation, established a group of believers, was in the, was in the, the city of Corinth. And so this is a letter to that church in the city of Corinth. But what had happened was that there were people who were stirring up trouble in the church in the city of Corinth. Stirring up trouble, trying to convince the people there that Paul's authority, that Paul's leadership was not worthy, that it was inappropriate, that they shouldn't trust what Paul has to say. Paul's not here. He's not doing it. He's, he's you know, planted the church and moved on to plant another church. Why should we listen to Paul? Why, what authority does Paul have over us? You see, the people in the local congregation, they wanted control. They wanted power. They wanted authority. But it wasn't a godly authority. It was a selfish one. And so Paul is responding to the people of the church in Corinth who are rising up against Paul's authority. And so it's a really, really candid moment, okay, into the life of Paul. So he's, he's kind of defending himself, and he's, try, he's trying to show to the people in, in this church that he has every right to speak to them. Every right to speak into their lives. Here's what it says. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and the kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think that I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away, well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Again, he's speaking about those who are speaking against Paul. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. <clears throat> we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you become fully obedient, we'll punish everyone who remains disobedient. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say that they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. Again, he's speaking and referencing what's going on is that the people who are trying to gain authority in the church of court were doing it by putting the people down, by putting Paul down. Church, you, here's a sidebar. You will never gain authority by condemning or putting people down. You will never gain influence into somebody's life by speaking death into their life, ever. I don't know about you, but the people who speak death into my life, I don't really listen to them. So don't listen to them. This is what Paul's trying to say. He's like, I'm speaking life into you. These people are speaking death. Why would you listen to them? Okay, that has nothing to do with what I was going to say. But it's good stuff. Those, sorry, I, I'm not trying to frighten you, I'm sorry, I, I may seem to be boasting much about the authority given to us for the Lord, but our authority builds you up and doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. I'm not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful, but in person he was weak and his speech, speeches are worthless. But those, those people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Oh, don't Paul slips into a bit of sarcasm here. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that our, our, we are as wonderful as the other who tell you how important they are. 
but are only comparing themselves to each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement, how ignorant. We will not boast, and here's, here's what it comes down to, we will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only about what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you, as if we had never visited you. For we were first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you when no one else is working. Then there will be no question about boasting of the work done in somebody else's territory. And you're just like, okay, how does that connect to what you're saying? I don't know if you noticed in this person's portion of scripture, it started talking about boundaries. If you look in some of the, uh, in the other translations, it'll, it'll say spheres, or areas, or places. Paul is speaking about his network. He's talking about the boundaries and the authority in which God has said, you are going to minister to those in your network, in your boundary, in your area, in your sphere, and that you have the authority to speak to those people in your boundary, your area, your sphere, your zone. And so Paul is trying to convince them and saying, look, there's a, I'm not stepping outside of those boundaries. I am walking within the grace. I am walking within the zone and the authority in which God has given me. And church, the first thing I want you to know and understand about the zone, about the network, about the sphere of influence that you have is that God has placed you in that sphere, in that zone, in that place of authority for you to be able to speak with power, be able to speak with passion, and that is where you belong. So the first thing you need to realize is that you actually do have a network, that there's people around you, and here's what your network is. It's not the people who are necessarily on your Facebook or part of your groups or whoever's following you on Instagram and, 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 and pinning stuff on your Pinterest. I don't know where you're doing that. The reality is, is the, the network that you have in your life are the people that you see on a regular basis. That's your network. The places that you work, the places that you buy food, the places that your, your children play sports at. The people that you see on a regular basis, that's your network. That's the authority that God has placed in front of you. Those are the people that God has placed in front of you because that's your network. That's your sphere of influence. Whether it's people here from the church or the people that you work with, wherever you go, the people that you know their names, God has put those people there on purpose. That is your network. That is where God wants you to minister. You know their names. You know their names. You've had conversations with them. You know who they are. You can think of them right now. I dare you to start writing a list of all the people in your network. All the people that you that you meet on a regular basis. Whether it's just whether you're just meeting together with other parents or, or other fathers or other mothers or brothers and sisters, those are people in your network. Some of you know the personal names of the people you buy coffee from. Right? 
You know the name. They're in your network. Some of you know the names of your kids' school bus drivers. They're in your network. Okay? Some of you work out in the same gym beside the person who's working out beside you, and you keep you race against them, and you lift weights, you're just like, oh, they're lifting 20, 22 and a half. <laughs> they're in your network. Those people are in your network. They're in your sphere of influence, your sphere of authority, that God has placed you in that place for a purpose, for this moment. But not everybody is in your network. The second thing you need to realize is that part of understanding that there is a zone, that there's a place of authority, a sphere of influence, a network, is that you're in a zone and that sometimes you are not in the right zone. So, you know when you're you know when you're driving or you're, you're, you're connected to your phone, you're connected to Wi-Fi, there's only so far you can get from your home that you can stay connected to your Wi-Fi? And then you realize that if you don't put a password on your Wi-Fi, that somebody can just sit outside your door and use your Wi-Fi? Because the Wi-Fi stretches to a certain area. It stretches around us. But once you step outside of that zone, you're not connected. Church, boundaries are good. Boundaries are good. Boundaries help us understand where we're supposed to be and where we're not supposed to be. You see, Paul wasn't trying to speak. He wasn't writing letters to a church that he didn't plan. The other disciples, they planted churches in other places. Paul wasn't writing letters to their churches. He was writing a letter to the church that he planted. And so he had authority over the church that he planted. He had a relationship with the people of the church that he planted. So that's why he wrote a letter to them. He didn't write letters to other churches. He stayed within the boundaries of what God had called him to. Boundaries are important. I'm just finishing up a busy season with my kids where I said yes too many times to be the coach. I said yes too many times. And because of that, there was too much going on and I was being stretched so thin that I wasn't being effective, necessarily effective in the network that I was in because I was being stretched too thin. See, like, am I the only one who gets stretched too thin? Am I the only one who just says yes to too many things and thinks to myself, well, I can do that, well, I can do that. Oh, that sounds like fun, let's do that. Oh, that's a, oh, let's do that. Oh, that's such a good, let's do that. Is that, is that, it's just me? If it's just me, that's fine. But the reality is, is what happens is we get so stretched, we get so pulled apart, that when we're, when we're in that place of authority, when we're in our network, we look like this. <laughs> What's going on? How are you doing? Busy. I'm busy. What's going on? Oh, I can't even start. And that's what we look like. That's what we feel like. And listen, I'm telling you, this is not you being effective, okay? When you are in a place like this, you're not being effective for the sake of the gospel. When you look like this all the time, That's not someone I like to hang out with. You know what I mean? Like, that's not someone I'm just like, hey, let's have a conversation. <laughs> there are boundaries. 
minister. He didn't go everywhere. He stayed in his zone. It was a 90 mile zone. From Galilee to Jerusalem was 90 miles. And he didn't step outside of those 90 miles. He decided, he said, this is where God has called me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay in this zone because I feel like this is where God has me. Now, Jesus had some confidence in, in, in understanding where his zone was, but that's what he did. He didn't say, hey, do you want to be my disciple? Hey, you want to be my disciple? Hey, you want to be my disciple? Hey, you want to be my disciple? He chose 12. He didn't choose 142,000 people to be his disciples. Man, how come he chose 12? He's got boundaries. He can only do so much. Now, he was the God man. He could do whatever he wants. But I dare, I just dare to believe that Jesus was trying to give us an example of having boundaries, of having, of having our zone and realizing work your zone, work your area, work your sphere of influence, and that's what you're responsible for. And so, what it helps us understand is that there are certain places that God is calling us to be, and there are certain places God is not calling us to be. Now, listen, God could, call you, could be calling you to be an international missionary. He could be calling you to go to, to other places and minister the gospel. Absolutely. But there are certain areas, certain zones, certain things that God is calling you to. Not only happens by a spirit, not only happens in relationships. But we've got to figure that out. I mean, Ron, I, I, I don't know how many times you say no to people, but there's got to be tons of times that you have to say no. Right? Because you can't do everything. You'd love to do everything, but there are moments, Ron Pierce, who's kind of going all over the world. He can't say yes to everything. He's got to be led by the Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit to say, yes, God, this is what you're calling me to yes to this moment and get a sense that God's saying, no, this is not really what you need to do. And so here becomes this tension, right? What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? It starts with you staying connected to the network that you're in right now. Forget about tomorrow. Forget about the days to come. Who is in your network right now? Those are your boundaries. The truth is, the only one who can expand your boundaries is God. <coughs> He's the only one who can do it. If you try and do it, then you're, you're going to create, you're gonna create this, this crazy amount of work, and all of your work is going to be based on, well, i got to do more, i got to do more, i got to do more, i got to do more. And you know what that is? That's a gospel that is about works. It's about the harder I work, the more Jesus will love me. And church, that is not the way that it works. It's through obedience to the Spirit, through the relationship that we have with God that brings us closer to Him. Not the 15,000 things we're all doing at once, but in relationship, the power of the Holy Spirit coming when we're saying, this is where I'm calling you. This is where I want you to do. But 
here's where it starts. It starts within your network right now. Who are you connected to right now? That's where God has called you. That's his goal for your life. It's about the people that you're connected to right now. The people that you work with, the people that you see on a regular basis, the people you know their names. You know their names. And you have to be led by the Spirit. Listen, Paul didn't go everywhere. He could have, but he let the Spirit lead him. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Perga and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. What do you mean? The Holy Spirit didn't want them to preach in Asia? Oh, Paul. I'm pretty sure, you know, God wants the gospel heard in Asia. How come he didn't go to Asia? Because the Spirit led him. Because Paul couldn't go everywhere. And there's a specific place, yes, that Paul was supposed to go. And he was led by the Spirit to go in a specific place. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north of the province of uh, Bithynia. And again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, he went on to Mysia in the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come to Macedonia and help us. Paul being led by the Spirit to know where to go, to know what to do. Church, it starts with the network that you're in. Let the people and the Spirit dictate the boundaries of your influence. Not ambition. Listen. Listen to me now. Not ambition. Not influence. Not pride. That cannot determine our network. Well, if I got to know this person, then they would let me do this, and then maybe I could do this. And then there sounds like a lot of eyes in there. Doesn't it? We cannot let ambition, selfishness, and pride, or greed determine our network or sphere of influence. Because if we do, we will just be stretched thin and we will get burnt out because we're getting into the wrong reasons. The only way that our boundaries can be extended is through our connection with people and the power of the Holy Spirit leading us. That's the way. But if we start aggressively pursuing the network that we think that we belong in, we start pursuing aggressively this area of influence that we feel that we're entitled to and in this moment, then we begin to step outside our zone, our place of authority. And church, when you start stepping outside the place of God's authority in your life, it is not going to go well. <clears throat> it is not going to go well. Let people in the spirit of God determine the zone of our network. He will lead you and let you know. There's two more things I want to share with you. I said this. 
The first thing is this, is that I want you to know that God has created, God has created this network especially for you. God has created this network especially for you. So Paul was made for this area. Paul was made for this area. He was a Pharisee. He knew all sorts. He knew, listen, he knew the Jewish faith from top to bottom. He knew exactly what they were teaching. He knew exactly their background. He was a Roman citizen, so that gave him access to that world. So here's Paul, who thinks he's on the way, on the road to Damascus, on the way, doing God's will. God knocks him off his donkey and says, no, this is my greatest light for your life. Paul, the perfect person for his network. Perfect person to minister to the people in that area. And church, I want to challenge you today that you are the perfect person for your network. You are the perfect person to reach the people you know. You are. God has ordained that you be in this moment, at this time, and you are the perfect person. And I believe that if you are serving Christ, that you have the unique capabilities and historical knowledge and the understanding to reach that network. Some of you think you need to know this, and you need to know that, and you're not capable, and you're not good enough. Church, I just happen to believe that God knows what he's doing. I just have to believe that, even though in the, in the incapabilities that I have in my character, that there's something about me, there's something about you that God said, I want them together. I didn't ordain it. God worked it out. There's something about you that God wants for your network. that the reason that we're living is because we're called to people. Right? We're called to people. Some of us feel as though, and I've done this in the past too, some of us feel like we're called to a job, that we're called to do something. We're called to be equipped to do something. We're called to achieve a certain level of status. In reality, God's purposes for our lives in the kingdom of God is that you would reach the people in your network to minister to people, to go and make disciples of all people. That is our calling. That is what God has charged for us to do. But I believe that God has made you in a specific way to reach that network. What does Psalm say? Psalm 139 says this, 139 to 13. You made all the delicate and inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well you know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before the single day had passed. He knows what we're all made he knows what we're all made That we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's forget these physical characteristics. Let's forget all of our, our necessarily our worldly abilities. He has made our character. He has made the people that we are for a specific reason. It is the people around you that matter. And I just happen to believe 
And you're the right person for the job. You're the right person for the job. Absolutely. And I believe in God's providence. I believe that he set it up. Listen, it took some planning. It took some planning to get all these pieces together here this morning, didn't it? Huh? It took some planning. God figured this all out so that we could all be here together. I don't believe for one second that there's one person here based on coincidence. I don't believe for one second that there's something circumstantial going on. Well, they just happen to show up on Sunday morning. Church, if, he, if God created the world, then I believe he set it up for us to do good works. What is, isn't that what it says in his word? This is, we're called to our network. This is our assignment. This is what we're called to. Paul was called to the people of Lord. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So this is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that God has planned for us long ago. Long ago. If God's plan, listen, a couple more minutes. If God planned long ago good works in advance for us to do, don't you think he is organized enough? Don't you think he thought to himself, well, I know the perfect place for Amber. I know the perfect place for Ruby. I know the perfect place for John. I know the perfect place for Dave. I know the perfect place for Edmar. I know the perfect I know the perfect place. You know how I know that God is that way? He's perfect. He's a perfect creator. He's a perfect organizer. He's a perfect planner. He knows exactly where you're supposed to be. He knows exactly who you're supposed to talk to and who you're supposed to know. And that's why I trust him. That's why I believe him. And that's why I believe that you are called for the very place that you're in right now. It takes some shuffling around, but it's not coincidence. So whatever you are, whatever you're doing right now, if you're at home watching over your children, God has called you to that network, to those people. If you're in Subway and you're making submarine sandwiches and you're putting extra olives on my submarine sandwich, then that's a dream because I hate olives. <laughs> but the reality is, if that's what you're doing, then you are supposed to be there connected to the people. And you're just like, well, I don't want to be a Subway sandwich maker for the rest of my life. Well, that's fine, but for now... The people that you work with are in your network. So much of what we believe about God's will in our life is circumstantial. When in, rea when in reality, most of God's will in our life has to do with our character and our relationship with him. And so what happens is, is that we connect the will of God to the things that we're doing. And we forget about the people that are surrounded by us. That in reality, that is his will for your life. It is the people that God has put in your network that God has in a part of his will for your life. Stop thinking about God's will as places, amounts, and, and, and things, and houses. Let's stop thinking about God's will about that. Let, let's start thinking 
affecting how Jesus thinks, it is with people. Amen. Does it mean that the Spirit of God doesn't lead us to go to different places and do different things? He absolutely does. But I'm telling you that Paul's motivation, that Christ's motivation, were to reach the people in their network. And that God would use what Christ had done, what Paul has done, what you will do to reach the rest of the world. But it only starts within your network. So whatever you're doing, that's God's assignment for you. You're helping people with their finances. <coughs> people fix their stuff. You're helping at your school. You're helping your mom or your dad. You're taking care of them. Whatever it is you're doing, that's your network. Realize this is God's assignment for you. He's worked it out. And it's not just by chance. I really love, I really love sports. There's a few things that I think to myself I should never, ever do because I would die. Um, stuff like skateboarding. I've said to my friends, I've said to my brother, I think, before, uh, if you ever see me get onto a skateboard, just kill me because I'm gonna die soon anyway. <laughs> because balance is not one of my forte's. Okay? I got other things. I got some hand-eye coordination. I can do some stuff. But balancing on four wheels, it's not a thing. Okay? Another one of those things is surfing. Water's unpredictable. Water's <laughs> 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 unpredictable. You never know when a wave's coming. Like, there's no symmetrical. I can't do any calculations. Okay? There's no boundaries. There's no lines. There's nothing. It's just water. So I don't do, I, I can't do surfing. I stand up in the water and I avoid crashing down. That's what's going to happen because I just, I just don't have it. I don't have it in my arsenal. It is not in my bag. But when I watch other people do this, when I watch other people do surfing and skateboarding, it's pretty amazing, the stuff that they can do. And so there's this place, okay, for, for a surfer. There's this place for a surfer, this, this ultimate place that every time they get on a surfboard, they wish they could get to this place because it's the most amazing place. It's called the green room. It's the moment when the wave, the tidal wave, is crashed over you, but you're surfing through middle. That moment when you're completely surrounded by water and you're not afraid and you're slicing on the top of the wave right through. And the view that you have through the tunnel is so amazing and you wish it wouldn't end. Wish it wouldn't end. Because if it ends, you're going underwater. <laughs> and it's so amazing. And it's this extraordinary place that everything is going right. Church as Christians, we all want to get to that, that green room. Right? We all want to get to that place 
where God is put everything around us, that things are going perfect the way we've just gone perfect. Everything's just gone right, and, and I'm staying, and I'm, and I'm balanced, I'm bored, and I'm doing it right, and I'm getting through, and I'm just like, look at this, this is amazing! I'm in the green room! So excited to get sucked in and think, this is what I want, this I want to get in the green room with God's will. I want to get into that moment where I'm just, I am on my board, I am, I am doing things right, it's just at the right time, it's just at the right way. This is what I want, God, I want to get to that place. And we keep thinking to ourselves, I gotta to get to that place, I gotta to get to that place. There's nobody else for this job. It's your job, and you are the right person for the job. You are capable of doing this job. This is your assignment. This is your network. This is the place God has called you to be. And if we're not content in this, then it's time for our hearts to change. It's time for our hearts to change.
God wants you to fulfill purpose. And he's laid out for you. And as you reach your network, God will show you things. He will inspire you. necessarily do a time, you know, where I'm going to bring an altar call. I'm going to stay here up at the front, and I'd love to just be able to pray with you and lay hands on you. We're going to make this place just a time of reflection for the next 10 minutes, so I'm asking you, I'm asking you to very, be very conscious of your conversations and to have them out in the foyer. We're going to close the doors. And I'd love to be able to pray with you and pray that the Spirit of God will just reassure you that you are the right person for the job. 
some of us need that extra help this morning, and I'm willing to give it. I know some others will as, as well. Church, remember this as you go, though. There are moments in our life that we look back on. We have conversations with people. And it feels like God has used this moment for his glory. Have you ever had those moments? You know what we call those? We call them those divine appointments, right? Those divine appointments. Church, I want you to know that every conversation you have in your life is a divine appointment. Not one part of your life is coincidence. God is such a good player that he is orchestrating every moment for you to share the love of Jesus, for you to show his love, to be a light. They're all divine appointments. to realize that on a more regular basis. 